You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode, episode 14, I think, maybe 15 of our golf series. Um, it's a bit of an OU theme, really. Had a couple of you on recently, got the OU grads and... and Charlie Last and, uh, and a few others. But uh, with me today, I have Luke Kwan, who is currently PGA Tour China. Is that right? Corn uh, Ferry Tour this year. Corn Ferry Tour now, that's right. Yep. PGA Tour China no. last year, my bad. Last year, yeah. Uh, but you were at OU from 12 to 16. Uh, they won nationals the year after you graduated, right? So you did all the that's hard right. work and trained everybody, and then they won. That's right, yeah. Uh, but no, thanks for coming on the podcast today, mate, and share some stories. I think you've got a unique background with, you know, doing the YouTube stuff and, and having a pretty decent following on YouTube and creating all the videos. And I mean, the videos are very well done as well. I enjoy watching them. Um, thanks, man. So yeah, I think that's, that's where I first kind of saw you was on YouTube. But um, before we dive into college golf and tour stuff, where, you know, where does golf start for you? Uh, I've always kind of been around golf. Kind of as a kid, uh, I can't really say I really started taking it seriously though until I was about twelve. Um, played my first junior tournament, and I thought I was really good, and I come to realize I wasn't. So started taking it seriously from then on. Was that like the first uh, kind of tournament outside of your area, outside of your golf club? No, no, everything was in my area. Um, it was just kind of one of those things where like you know, people are just kind of being nice, like, oh, your swing's really nice and everything. And you, you hear that over and over again. And you're like, oh, I must be pretty good. And you actually go to a tournament. It's just not the case. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I watched, you know, what's like your, your intro video to, to the YouTube, you know, channel and, and basically says, you know, like I, I didn't have it the way that a lot of the professional golfers grow up. You know, I didn't have right. a country club membership or the money to travel and, and me being from like, you know, golf out here is completely different to golf back home in the UK. Like it's very easy for us to travel. Uh, even right. though it's not cheap, but it's easier to drive rather than you've got to fly yeah. places out here, which definitely adds up. Um, so you just, I guess after that golf tournament went hard at it and just practiced, you practice your ass off, I assume. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did a lot of mostly local stuff. I mean, I just couldn't, before I was 16, I couldn't drive anyway. So, I mean, my parents and my parents were always working. So I, always, I didn't have parents that could just drive me around, fly me around everywhere. So, um, yeah, I just did all the local stuff and I mean, like you said, just work my ass off. Yeah. So how do you, you know, how, how do you get to, I guess, oh, you from, from just, you know, from the starting to play golf and tournament golf and realizing that, you know, you've actually got to work at this. Like, so I, I wasn't really, I wasn't, I wasn't, I never really got any big fish kind of coming after me and recruiting me. Uh, I had a couple like smaller colleges wanting me and then all of a sudden OU out of nowhere, you know, showed some interest. I was actually kind of lucky. The assistant coach came to watch, not even me. They came to watch someone else. I don't even know who it was, but they just happened to just kind of come across me and, uh, um, kind of something started from there, but, um, that was kind of how it started, but I actually went to a, a D2 school my first year mm-hmm. and then I transferred up, uh, after that. Where'd you go? Uh, St. Edwards in Austin, Texas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I played, they were in my conference. I think maybe I was in, I went deep. Oh, yeah. well, I think we played against them. We played, did they have a tournament at TPC San Antonio? Or was uh, not when I was there, yeah. but I'm sure they, they might have back then. Um, Where did you yeah. play? What's uh, that? UCO? No, I played at SNU. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Played there for a bit. Um, yeah. So you go to OU, transfer up, completely different. You know, you go from being at, a, I guess, a D2 school to D1. I mean, it's it's got to be a night and day difference with the school size and everything, right? <laughs> yeah, no, huge difference. Because I, when I was at St. Edwards, it was like maybe four or 5,000 uh, students there. And I would literally see the same people as I'm walking to class every day. Yeah. And you know, I go to you and you know, everyone's it's like five times the size. So there's no way you see the same people. Um, yeah. And then the, like the, the budget for the golf program and everything's just way bigger. And 
um, facilities. Just the facility at OU is just so nice. I mean, it, obviously I'm biased because I went there, but I don't think there's really any other college that can beat it. The convenience factor and um, short game area wise, the things that I mean, the course, everything is just you know just so good. Yeah. What well, was? Do you think? Did you gain like really imp- improve that second year then after after just by having all those facilities and having just better stuff around you, or was it? Um, no, it was a bit of a, a struggle period. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the, the, the chipping ups for a little while there, um, but after that point, it was really so. After once I got over the chipping ups, it was really just kind of having the constant competition with the guys on the team um always having qualifiers and and stuff like that yeah you mentioned always having qualifiers was there um like what you know what was kind of i guess did you have like a set weekly schedule did you know you were going to be qualifying these certain days or was it just kind of a bit random no we yeah we so we would know when the qualifiers during the week would be I don't think we planned that much further ahead than like the week, sure. maybe like a week and a half, maybe. Uh, um, we didn't really have that many like set practice days where we like, you know, have like a rigid, all right, this is what we're going to do. You know, it's just kind of everyone's working on, you know, what they need to be working on. And we'll have some days where we play this thing called the gauntlet, which is basically just an up and down contest. And those consisted basically most of what our practice days were, our rigid practice days. I don't know how it is there there now, but um, yeah, that's kind of what we did a lot. Yeah. Then that, that was that completely different to to being at St. Edwards. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what we did at St. Edwards. I was only there for one year, but I can't really hardly remember. Yeah. Um, what, what, what I was going, what I mean is like at St. Edwards, did you have like, Hey, practices from two to five, you've got to be there. Whereas at OU it's like facilities open whenever you can get off class, go out and do your work. I mean, you still had to be there. I mean, they, they arranged the practice time so that um, it fits with our school schedule. Okay. So everyone should be out there. Um, it's just like in terms of rigidness, I mean like, all right, everyone's going to do, you know, everyone's going to be hitting balls at this time. Everyone's yeah, going to be yeah. bunker practice at this time. It's like, no, I mean, some people, you know, you don't need to be hitting balls. You need to kind of be working on something else. You're putting or whatever. So yeah. Um, everyone's yeah. kind of aware of what they need to be working on. Go ahead and do that. Yeah. I think when you're at that level, like if you don't know how to practice, you right. shouldn't be at that level. <laughs> yeah. To yeah. your D1 or D2, whatever, like you shouldn't have to have your coach tell you every day, okay, today we're right. going to cut for 45 minutes and then you yeah. get drills. And like, I mean, you have a brain and if you want to get right. back, like, that's, that's one of the things and I try to tell people. Like, it's, exactly. And it helps that you have all these, you know, good players around you that you, you get, you understand like the standard of, okay, what's a good short game look like? What's good ball striking look like? So um, you get a grasp of, you know, you get a grasp of what your, your weakness is pretty quickly. Uh-huh. Who, who was on the team at that time with you that just had an outrageous short game? Outrageous short game. I would probably, I mean, obviously Abraham answer. He, he was there for one year when I was there. I mean, just some of the nastiest hands you can find. Uh, Eduardo was Eduardo Castillo. I think he, he caddies for uh, uh, Carlos Ortiz. Now he, he also had just a really nice short game. Um, coach. I mean, believe it or not, he had a really just. He's he's always been really good with his hands around the green, so still has that. Yeah, some of the videos I've seen. I mean, you mentioned Abe. Like I've seen some of the like little pitching videos he posts on Instagram. You're like, how are you getting four feet of backspin from thirty yards away? And, I know. And then I've seen Quaid do it too. Like videos of Quaid. Like I said, now coach does it. Yeah, I mean, coach has done it. So it makes sense that like he's teaching you something down there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Quaid, Quaid does that a lot too. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, uh, what was it? So you, you know, you transfer in, it's a completely different experience. You have a bit of a rough period. You have the chipping yips. What, when is that first golf tournament? When do you make that top five? 
So that was my uh, junior year. Um, I figured out between the 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 uh, or in the summer, uh, you know, leading up into my junior year, and I'm at the point where I feel like I've just like exhausted all ideas or solutions that I thought I had to this thing. I, I, th- I was like, I would consider myself pretty resourceful. I mean, I, I I've tried all these different things, and I'm like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like this is. I'm pretty much a lost cause at this point. And one day I'm just like chipping around, still yipping it. And I, all of a sudden I just like look at the hole that I chip. I'm not even looking at the ball anymore. And I hit it, I clip it perfect. Like, what was that? And started doing that a couple more times. And I'm like, what, what is happening here? Like, this is just perfect clipping, just, you know, nipping it perfect. And I do that for a while and it actually ends up curing it. Yeah. And uh, it goes away. You go from doing that to chipping with my eyes closed. And then I transition over to just chipping normally. Yeah. That's like, I, I, I've been kind of fortunate enough. I guess I've never had that. Like, I'm, I mean, you, you would go through patches where you're just not chipping well, but I've right. never had it that bad where it's more than right. the mental <laughs> thing, not like a physical thing. Right. I think so. I mean, there are some people that think it's, it's all just physical and mechanics, but for me, at least during that time, it was, it was all mental. Yeah. And you mentioned, I've had friends who've had, like, I've seen people, it was a girl on my golf team at the time. She had it with putting and it was only inside like three feet and you could watch her physically. Like she'd put and her wrist, as soon as she got close to the ball on impact, her wrist would just like freak out. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the thing with putting, I don't understand though, is that I I don't understand the putting yips part. Cause like you're not even hitting the ground or you're not making any, you don't have to make like good contact or anything. It's just, but it's weird though. Like she cured it by putting like she, she she closed her eyes and it was, it was like, it must be something that you can see what you're doing. You can anticipate, feel, I, I don't know. Thankfully, I, I think so. I had that, that experience and I don't ever want it. I don't wish it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't either. I mean, that, that stuff was brutal. I think it's a lot of like realizing that your threshold for mistakes is a lot bigger than you really think it is. Mm-hmm. And so once you close your eyes or like not look at the ball anymore and you realize you're not even looking at the thing that you're hitting and you're still able to, you know, get the job done. It's like, it's not that, you know, super finite as you thought it was. Yeah. So where was that first golf tournament that you made the team on? Uh, Pebble beach actually. Oh, that doesn't suck. Really it? Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that experience uh, like going out to Pebble. I mean, going, going, you know, traveling with the team and, and being on the team for the first time. I it guess. was, it was awesome. Especially like, I think it was in this, yeah, it was definitely in the summer, but it was like, you wake up out there and it's like kind of a little bit cold. And, um, I think San Francisco is always kind of like that. Just like a little bit cold and, um, start out the morning with the little, little sweater on and it's just so good out there. Yeah. So the, the weather's perfect. Uh, honestly, I would say like strictly golf course design wise, Pebble beach isn't like all that, but it's just like the history behind it. And you know, some of the, the, the holes, the the history behind the holes and everything. I thought that was just really cool. And the views obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You're in Monterey is not a bad place to be. Yeah. Not bad at all. Yeah. How, how'd you play that week? Uh, I don't think I played great, but it wasn't bad. I think I only, it was like one or one over or even par or something like that, which college golf, that's not too bad. Yeah. So you're not going to win like that, but yeah. We were middle of the pack, kind of top third. What did that? Yeah. I think I was like 28th or something. Yeah. So, so after, I guess this breakthrough with chipping, then you start to like, you know, you have confidence, you make one team. Is that, does it kind of continue then through the rest of the season, the rest of your junior year, senior year, you just start consistently making the top top five yeah and that's um i kind of realized it before then also but i realized that the first qualifier of every semester is super important i mean it it just basically sets the tone for the rest of the rest of the semester there because what we were doing was and i think a lot of other teams do this too but um if you get top 15 in a tournament you're exempted to the next week or into the next tournament. 
And so, um, you know, you have a couple guys in the top 15, you know, you start out with the first qualifier and it's, you know, you have five free spots usually. And then you, you're a couple of tournaments into the season and some of these guys are top 15 and now two or three spots are taken up and now you're only playing for two spots. I mean, it's just, it's it just gets, yeah, it gets really tight. So, um, I realized that. And so that really helped kind of springboard me for at least the fall semester. And I knew I had to get a good, good start in the, in the spring semester as well to keep it going. Yeah. What was your top finish in school? Uh, well, I won one tournament my senior year, but it was kind of a, it was kind of a, one was really in the field kind of tournament thing. Mm-hmm. But still a win's a win. You look back. A win's a win. How, yeah. gonna, how are they? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, they might now. Uh, <laughs> uh, did not say anything. Yeah, that's all right. We'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> so when, when are you thinking like, when, when are you, when, when is it like a reality that, okay, you know, what am I going to do after school? Am I going to play? Is it always, you know, was that always the goal from, I mean, you know, I grew up being a college golfer. I grew up being a golfer as a kid. You always think the dream is to play on tour, but then there's a time in your life that that dream, it's like, Oh, that could possibly be a reality now. Like when, when was that time for you? And then when you start planning for that? Hmm. I don't necessarily know if there was a time where I was like, Oh, I think this is a reality. I feel like there was more times where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this <laughs> uh, kind of moments, you know, yeah. where I, cause my, my path was a little bit unique cause I had so many weird obstacles in a way that I think a lot of all other golfers didn't really have, but uh, I think it was a lot of just kind of being around it for so long and doing it for so long. I just didn't really want to stop, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of put all this effort into it and just to say, all right, throw my hands up and I'm done. Well, it's kind of pretty hard to do. Just throw it all away. So, yeah. I, I, I mean, when, I assume when you're around players who have graduated, you know, after you, uh, I mean, before you and they've gone on and you knew that, you know, oh, I'm not too far away from them or I was beating. That's them. definitely, you know, you're right. That's, that's definitely a big, that was definitely a big uh, factor for sure. You're right. You mentioned like weird things. What is there anything you want to talk about with that? What, what the little hurdles that you had to go through that most people don't. So it was, it was because of my whole uh, visa situation, trying to stay in the U S um, because I was, I was born in Korea. That was my first mistake in life. Um, but I was born there. And so that I didn't have any, you know, us citizenship or anything like that. Oh, I know exactly um, what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you basically switch over to a student visa and you're telling the government, Hey, you know, I'm just here to study. And yeah. I've been here for, you know, 13 years, 15 years before that point. So it's just kind of weird to, to be yeah. done after that. So, when you, you know, you're in your senior year, I assume that you have, you know, some, some management, you know, poking around thinking, you know, Hey, Oh, they might even be there to see other players and they're asking stuff about you. Like what, you know, what, what's like that last, I guess, six months of senior, senior, senior year, like with, especially with the visa stuff as well. Like do you, you know, cause I, I know you can do OPT, but like, you know, you've got to work technically, right. You can't just right, go OPT. Right. And for those listening, what, wondering what OPT is, it's basically if you're an international student, you get a one-year work visa. Yes, you get a bit of a grace period where yeah. you try to figure out like a job or something and, and work visa or something like that. So um, what is that like? What is that kind of like senior year like for you trying to figure all that stuff out? Well, so my my original plan was like when I was in college, my original plan was all right. I'll just switch over to a stu- uh, uh, go from a student visa over to an athlete visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything will be good. And then I graduate and I find out that um, two years before then, they switched over the, the criteria for the athlete visa from, I don't know what it was before, but now you had to be on the Corn Ferry Tour or the PGA Tour straight out of college. I'm like, Make sure. straight out of college? Yeah, I mean, obviously the person that made that was not a golfer because that doesn't really, sure, it does happen, but it's not, you know, yeah. <laughs> almost like a handful of people every year. So then I was like, okay, well, that's, um, that threw my plans out of the window real quick. And so now I'm just trying to figure out, um, a path that I could maybe get that visa or something. I had no clue. I just, I was 
I just kind of had that as my plan and yeah. didn't really have a second plan behind it. Um, but I did know that I had uh, an opportunity to try to get some sort of corn freight tour status going to Q school. So I knew that was coming up ahead, but I mean, you're trying to play for, trying to, trying to play to try to stay in the U S I mean, that's hard. That yeah. makes golf a lot harder. Yeah. Pressure's hard enough when you're trying to play yeah. on tour, but when it's to like, Oh, if I don't, I'm actually going home now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, that didn't go to plan, right? You didn't qualify right. straight away. So where, you know, what happens after then? Cause you, that's, that's, you kind of took what a year, two years off then. Like what happens in that period? So there was a little bit more, a little bit of a grace period for me, that was, um, a little bit more of a grace period, but for a while I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm going to do. I mean, this is such a huge obstacle that there, there wasn't like any way that I can just go talk to someone and be like, Hey, you know, I'm in this weird gray period or uh, gray area. Like it isn't like a black and white thing. I wish I could talk to someone, but you know, there was nothing like that. So I was like, okay, I got to find some sort of solution around this and try to find a way to stay here legally, not illegally, legally. Legally. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, I, I was just looking around for all these different options or possible solutions. I couldn't find anything other than I could just get, you know, just some standard office job and have the company like sponsor my, my visa to stay in the, in the U S or something like that. I could have something like that, but um, I mean, it, it, it just didn't really, you know, sound very good to me, but, um, for a while I didn't play golf cause I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to tackle this problem. Um, and then I started just looking around just for some, some random office job. I didn't really even have a plan. I was just like, okay, I'll just get some sort of money for now and just figure it out later. And I'm going through these, these interviews. And they're like, all right, you can get the job and then we're, we're going to send you some stuff over and then I'm going through it. And then they're like, Oh, you don't have a green card. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So, you know, I couldn't get the job cause I didn't have a green card. So I was like, all right, that's not gonna work. And so then I was like, all right, I'll just, um, maybe I'll just try caddying at some, some golf club or something. And I did that at Dallas national, uh, in Dallas, in Dallas. And it wasn't caddying. It was for caddying which is different than actual caddying. So, yeah. so people, you know, usually if you're caddying, you're just carrying a bag and you're just, you know, maybe talking to a player and just taking care of one player at a time Before caddying is, you know, you got to run up ahead before they hit their tee shot and tell them where their ball went and then fix their ball marks, tell them the yardages, what club to hit, rake the bunkers. And then you got to run up to the green. Too, right? Every single yeah. player. Yeah. And you got to run up to the green, do it all over again, take the flag out, fix the ball mark, pick the bunkers. And I'm like, I was legit running eight miles every time I was doing this. And mind you, I hate running. I, I'm not I a runner. We all do, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why we play golf. Um, but it was brutal doing that, but I mean, it was at least it was good money, but it was just not, not fun doing it. Yeah. So, so like if you can't get it, so parents are still back home, right? Or parents are here. My parents are here. Okay. So, but even though your parents are here, you don't have a green card to stay. So my parents had a, have a um, small business. So they have their work visa through that. Sure. But um, you couldn't get anything under that. I could have. So I, when I first came to the U S I guess, what is it? 18 years now yeah. before, um, when I first came here, I, I applied for a green card under my parents, you know, uh, as a dependent on my parents and I wait 13 years and I never got my green card. Um, and at that point I turned 21, so I wasn't dependent on my parents anymore. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so that even if that application came around the next day, it was just out the window. Right. Um, so that's when I had to switch over to a student visa. Gotcha. So if, so if you didn't like, you could have say like after like that one year grace period, like you could have, you, were you like sent home? Like were you sent back? Like what happened? You know, no, no. It's, it's, you know, it's a strange area to be in if your parents already it, live here, right? It is. Yeah. So that's why like, it's just, it's just not so black and white as, yeah as you want it to be. And I was just in this weird gray area. 
Um, no, they don't send you straight, straight back home. And I, I was just kind of on the OPT for a little while and, um, me from, yeah. 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 Are you playing like, I mean, you're obviously continuing to kind of play, but you're obviously not, I mean, you're just playing in anything you can get in. Are you entering tournaments as a pro at that point? Or are you just playing money games, scrambles, like anything? Yeah, I'm playing in some like some of these smaller like mini tour events. The, the thing is, is I could try to go play PG Church Canada or Latin America or China, mm-hmm. but if I leave the country to go play in those things, I can't come back. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's just I couldn't do that, and so I was just playing all these like mini tour stuff, just out of not having an option. Yeah. Um, and. God, some of these mini tours, the entry fees were just so high and you had to play so good just to make your entry fee back. It was just, it was such a grind. Um, which was actually good because, you know, later on I played PJ Tour China and, and my perception of what pro golf is, is what were those mini tours where you have to play so good just to break even. It was yeah. a lot easier in comparison. Um, but no, I was just, I was just doing that for a while and, um, but money was kind of just, just dwindling away. I just didn't really have a whole lot of it. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, like you, the mini tour stuff compared to like, you know, the, 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 the route to the corn fry or web or, you know, European tour, whatever it is, like it's, you know, you have to leave. You can't just stay here, do a yes. tour, mini tour, whatever it is. And that's the bad thing about it, isn't it? Because if you go to Europe, you can play, you know, Euro Tour that gets you to Challenge Tour, you play right. Challenge Tour and that gets you to European Tour. And there's right. a legit ladder to get you to the end goal. Whereas out right. here, you've got to go to China, you've got to go to Latin America, you've got to go to Canada, which is even more expensive, right. and then hope to qualify. Like there's not... I don't know. It's just, it's, it's messed up out here. And there's obviously more competition because everyone can, you know, anybody with a little bit of money can enter the, the Adams events, right. You know, it's because there's more people in it. One person's going to have a good day and they may never play an event again, but that's exactly, that's taking your list, taking your money. I mean, Adam's tour is great. If you have, if you have so much money that it's not even a factor, like it's great competition, but I mean, for people that are just trying to like make some sort of money, oh my God, you better play some good golf. Yeah. And consistently good golf. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I mean, I get the, I think the, the idea, I guess, behind having Canada, Latin, China, like outside the US is they're trying to just grow the game with golf yeah. through the PGA Tour outside, you know, around the world. I get that idea. But yeah, I mean, like you were saying, it's just kind of, it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, you can't do it in the US. There needs to be a level below the Corn Ferry that is affiliated with the PGA Tour. Like, right, right. That would solve it. But right. so at this point, like, when do you start making the videos and doing the film stuff then? Is this all kind of right? So, yeah, yeah. So this was, so like I was saying, I was just kind of running out of money. And, you know, I wasn't playing bad golf, I was just playing good enough to just kind of. Mm-hmm keep the money that I had basically. So, you know, over time, that's just kind of going slowly away with living, living expenses and all that. And I'm, you know, at this point I have two huge problems. I obviously the, the visa thing and then the money, I, I didn't have money coming in. I didn't have any sponsors. I had no way of trying to fund this whole golf thing. And it was like, I was stuck in like this weird catch 22 where you know, I need to get a sponsor, but if I don't play any tournaments, I can't find any sponsors, but if I don't have a sponsor, I can't play any tournaments. So it's just like, something's got to give here. And, and I remember I was, you know, watching, um, YouTube, just brand, you know, just kind of being bored at one night. And I was watching this guy that was just making like some, some like workout, like lifestyle stuff just kind of the typical stuff. And, and I've just, and I've been walking, watching him for about a couple of months now. And all of a sudden one night I'm watching, I'm like, hold on. I could just do the exact same thing he's doing and just put like a golf twist to it. Uh-huh. And cause I could kind of see, I could kind of see what he was making his money off of. It wasn't off of YouTube. Y- YouTube pays 
almost nothing. I mean, it, it, they pay, but it's like very small money. They pay pennies on the view. Yeah. But um, I could see like how he was making money off of this thing. And, and I was just like, he's probably not going to respond, but I sent him an email. I was like, dude, I know this is really personal, but how much money are you making off this stuff? Like I'm thinking of doing this. And to my surprise, he actually got back and he told me, you know, he's making a couple thousand from this and that and added up. It's like, you know, close to 10 grand a month. I'm like, holy that shit. From like affiliate links then and not just from the view stuff. It's like affiliate sponsor links, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Affiliate links. Um, uh, he was selling some courses online. So he was getting mo- the bulk of his stuff on there. And then like, obviously a couple, you know, one or 2000 from, from just YouTube itself. Yeah. Obviously he had a pretty big channel, but the fact that, you know, even if I had one grand a month, um, from the standpoint that I was in that, that was huge because, you know, I could do that from anywhere. It wasn't like I had to, you know, stay at Dallas national and go run eight miles at a certain location. Like it was, it was different. And then I always, at that point, all these different ideas just popped into my head, like just several of them. Um, and I thought about, you know, I could just, I could even do this in New Zealand if I wanted to go down that route. Um, Oh, New Zealand was, um, I guess kind of skipped ahead a little bit, but New Zealand was when I, where I was planning on going if I were to leave the U S okay. um, if I couldn't find any options. Sure. Um, and so God, all these different ideas came into my head and I was like, part of me was like, you're, you're out of your mind. Like you you think you're going to solve your problem, you know, making some, some videos, like, you know, you, you know, these, uh, I guess you can say it's stereotypical YouTube YouTubers where they're just doing all these stupid shit. And yeah, um, they got like millions of kids following them and I'm here thinking that I can maybe make some money off of this stuff. So, but I just could not ignore all these different ideas coming into my head. And then also the fact that my reach would be way bigger. Um, and then I would have maybe the potential of finding some sponsors along the way. And I was just like, I can't ignore this. This is, there's something to this thing. And, uh, I remember realizing that obviously that YouTube isn't where you, where the money is. It's actually having a course or some sort of product where you can sell. Um, in the winter, I, uh, started making this swing program where I just try to like organize as much as I could, everything that I knew about the golf swing and, um, all that stuff. And so I, I was working on that for basically the whole winter, just uh, like nine, 10, 11 hours a day, just, just editing away and doing all this stuff. I mean, all the voiceovers, all the filming, everything was just by myself. And I was putting all this time in and all this money, you know, I had to buy cameras. I had to buy like video hosting and hire a web developer to try to figure out all this stuff. Cause I don't know how to do all that, all that website stuff. And I was putting all this money and time in. And I was like, dude, this could be just a big waste of time and money. Like I hadn't gotten anything in return for, for all this stuff yet, you know? And, and this was actually even before I even started the YouTube channel. So I, I wanted to have this in place before I even, mm-hmm. you know, hit the road on that thing. And I finally get that done after just slaving away at it. Um, and I start making some YouTube videos and obviously, you know, no one's watching this stuff when I, when I'm starting to make these videos, but in, and it's like, you get like 10 views a, a day and oh, you're okay. like, Holy cow, there's 10 people. I know it's the you know, somewhere in this world. Right <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, there's 10 people watching it and you just like constantly checking it. Shit. Some of it's even you watching it. Right. Um, but so I, it just starts slow, uh, for a while and nothing really happens. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing this. I have about a, about 10 months before I leave the U S and I was just thinking if I can just get to like 5,000 subs or something, I might have a decent chance if, if I were to leave the U S mm-hmm. and, um, have some sort of money coming in so I can at least do this somewhere. Um, and I was doing this for a while. And at the same time, I'm just like looking around, talking to all these different like immigration lawyers, just try to find some sort of solution. Like, is there anything I can do? You just try to stay here illegally. And I couldn't, I mean, it was, it was just, 
I had to get an office job and have the, the, the company sponsor me. So I just could not find any solution there on that front. And my thinking on that was like, if that's an option, if, if my only option at that point was to just get an office job and get them to sponsor me, well, I, why not just play golf and try to do something with golf first? And if I have to leave the country to do that, okay, I'll just get an office job in, in New Zealand or just come back getting an office job. Like that, the skipping over to step two and just getting an office job before I even try step one is like, it just didn't really make any sense to me. And so, um, I just kind of slowly went on to doing this. And then all of a sudden, uh, I made this one video just kind of like, uh, preparing for a U.S. open qualifier. And in the, in the title, it said like prepping for U.S. open qualifier or something like that. I was just, okay, whatever. And it was just like a, like a fun little course playing video with some of the, the buddies at, at the course I'm at. Nothing happened for a long time. And then father's day comes around and it's U.S. open time. And like the week of all these people start watching these videos, like thousands of people. I'm like, what is going on here? what is happening? And at the time I had no idea, but I realized that in the title, it said U S open. And so, because everyone else is looking for your U S open, mine just happened to kind of be around on some of the links. Yeah. And so then all these like subs started rolling in and the numbers started going up super quick. I'm like, what, what is going on? And, and my target of 5,000 subs, you know, was starting to look like it was going to come, come around a lot quicker. Than I thought. Um, and so that's what kind of springboarded me unknowingly, uh, um, getting some views and all that, got some sales on the, uh, swing program and, and that helped me just get my back off the wall. I mean, yeah. I, I finally had some breathing room for, for a while. How much were you selling the swing video thing for? Um, it was around, well, so I was at the time I was also doing like personal coaching. So like they can contact me and I, I'll help them out one-on-one and everything. Um, so that was a little bit more expensive, but just the swing program itself was like $77. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I launched it, like in the first week I got like two grand and <laughs> I, I was just like a huge sense of like, <laughs> wow, I can finally breathe. You know, like I put in all this work and all this money into it. And this is finally like some sort of money coming back, you know, for all that work. And so, yeah, that was, that was promising to see that. So you said it was 70 something dollars. What was it? 77. Yeah. $77. Yeah. yeah. That's it's not bad. Is it to get that? Yeah, I know. This week after, I know. but you know, yeah, exactly. And just not seeing any sort of results or, or rewards from it for so long. Yeah. And so, um, so I was like, okay, there's really is something to this. Like that kind of solidified my, my inkling of, you know, there's, I think there's, this could be something good for me. Right. Um, and, and, you know, before then I was just so stressed out about like, how am I going to stay in the U S and, and figure some sort of solution to, to this visa thing. Cause I could not find anything. And right around, you know, when I start to have some success with the videos and, and all these sales, uh, it's just started to feel like my mindset started switching over from, all right, how do I stay in the U S um, safely to, all right, how do I leave the U S with as good of a plan as I can make? Yeah. You know, because I could not find any, some solution to this thing. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to concede to this visa thing. And now I just got to find, find the money or, and, and some sponsors to, you know, as crazy as it sounds, try to play my way back into the U S. Yeah. And I mean, you have, I mean, we're looking at the YouTube channel now and you haven't posted a video for quite some time, but you yeah. know, like 12, almost 13,000 subscribers. And like, you've got some videos with, you know, quite a lot of views on them. Uh, yeah. I guess that was just, I mean, a tool for you to use to sell, you know, sponsorship and make money. Right. I'm sure people yes. come to you and like, Oh, you know, what do you do? Like, well, I'm a professional golfer, but I have this following that I can yeah. help a sponsor out of. Right. Right. Yeah. And so that, uh, 
that was actually a really eye-opening thing when I first turned pro because I didn't have any sponsors. Obviously, college golf, you don't need any sponsors to play in tournaments. Like you're just on the team. Like you just gotta play good golf. And really the whole career, my whole everyone's whole career, like you don't really have to do a whole lot of like selling yourself or like marketing yourself kind of thing. And I that was kind of one of the biggest eye-opening things when I first turned pro and started playing all these tournaments and realizing how how expensive the budget is and everything, like you, you gotta market yourself. Like you gotta try to sell yourself, which is such a weird, such a weird thing for me, at least for me, because I've just never been someone that I've never been someone that was like, Hey, look at me. I'm really good. Like I've never been like that kind of person. Yeah. I've always thought that, you know, if you're actually good at what you do, you just kind of shouldn't have to say anything. Uh-huh. And so having to switch over to, you know, market myself, sell myself, that was a, a big uh, eye opener. Um, and then, so I'm playing in some of these mini tour tournaments again with, um, some support with YouTube and, and all that. And then I'm also getting some interest, uh, from sponsors or potential sponsors at this point. And it just feels like everything's kind of coming together and plans coming together. Um, and the date's getting kind of closer and closer to, to when I have to leave the U S. Um, and at this point, you know, I, there is no guarantee of, you know, me coming back and seeing my parents anymore. Like, I don't, I don't really have that s- s- certainty of, of coming back. And so, you know, I'm leaving the U S and not having a clue when I'd be back, when, when I'm going to see my parents again. Um, and I'm getting all these contracts done for the, for the sponsors together and everything like that. And then I also put up a video on, on YouTube, you know, basically saying this was the whole plan. Like I was going to, I knew I was going to have to leave. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So when you're leaving, like you're making the plans, you're signing all these contracts. Is that when you're going to China or is that like, is that when you're like, yes. I'm going to play golf in China. This is the plan now. Yes. So, um, originally I was just going to go to New Zealand, just, yeah. just, you know, go to New Zealand, go live there. And then my buddy, you know, Charlie Saxon that you had on your podcast, mm-hmm. He was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta come over to China. Just, you know, you're coming over before the season's over. Just play the last couple events, you know, see what happens, whatever. Um, I'm actually really glad that I did that. Uh, so that's, so yeah, I'm leaving the U S going to China. And so I had to get all the visa stuff for China, sorted out and everything. And I go over to China and I have to go Monday qualify for, for the tournament get in the money qualifier and in the first event i i don't know what i shot like i think it was like 12 under for the week and i got third in the first event um and that was a huge like validating feeling of i'm good enough mm-hmm. like you know this, this whole time when i was when i was working at um the whole time i was working at dallas national as a four caddy i'm watching charlie saxon every time I'm looking at the leaderboard, he's, he's about to win every single tournament. And it was driving me nuts seeing that because, you know, obviously he's not a bad player, but like I, I played with this guy and I, I know how good he is. And just seeing that just drove me nuts seeing that. And I was like, I could do, I could do the same thing. And I go over to China and I, and it, you know, get third in the first event. It just really validated that feeling that I had for so long. Um, and then I actually end up almost earning my, uh, card, uh, PJ tour China, uh, membership card, not membership card, but just the status, um, and just playing the last three events. Unfortunately, I didn't actually do that, but I was close. Um, so I had to go to Q school again the next year, but, or not again, Q school, uh, the next year. Um, but yeah. So after those three events, I go down to New Zealand, living there for a while, trying to figure out how to drive on the left side of the road and try not to die over there. But, yeah. um, um, so God, is it's so this, beautiful like, there. Is this kind of late, like end of 2018 or start? Yes. Of end of 2018. Yes. Okay. Right. So then you go there and then you come back to China to qualify for the tour and get right. on the tour. And then that's yes. what, so that you, you kind of, you're still doing the videos up until I guess halfway through the season, right? 
Yeah. So, so the reason why I stopped, <laughs> which I, I need to address this in the new video, but so I won my fifth event yeah. uh, in China and that was so big for me because it, it took off such a huge weight off my shoulders. Like if I can just at least play some decent golf for the rest of the year, I've pretty much solidified my spot. Not, not completely. I still had a lot of work to do, but I'm in a really good spot at that point. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, okay, I got to make an update video and let everyone know, obviously I won and all that. But at this point I have such a huge opportunity in my hands that I can't, I can't, you know, screw this up. And I just got to put YouTube to the side for a while and just, you know, get the job done here. Cause yeah. it's, I just had such a huge opportunity in my hands to, to come back to the U S. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Cause so you won, you just said you won your fifth event, right? And yeah. yeah. Okay. So, cause I watched the video when you won your first event and even then you uh, like posted the video three weeks after because you know, you just life in general, right? right, but, right. You know, watching the, there's a great video as well of that first event. And, you know, you did a great job just talking your way through it. Like, you know, you're, you've got the lead, you go bogey double, you know, yeah. Yeah. Go, you lose the lead, you're one behind. And then, you know, make two, you know, you finish birdie birdie, which yeah. is to get into a playoff, but you actually win. Exactly. That's a, such a roller coaster, but I mean, what, <laughs> yeah, you know, who so was, that, so that who wasn't actually my, that wasn't actually, sorry, I'm sorry. I meant to say the fifth event of the season I uh, won okay, so and that, that was the first, win, was it? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a roller coaster. Um, I knew that birdie on that second, on the 17th hole was huge because mm. if I didn't have that, I didn't have an opportunity. I thought I didn't have an yeah. opportunity on the 18th hole to get into playoff. Um, and the whole day, I think I was, I think I had gotten to, uh, eight under par for the day, like on 15 or 16. Yeah. You were so I knew, yeah, I was in a really, really good spot and I realized that. Yeah. And so did just you, to like, a, did you, did you see a leaderboard before like that? Yeah. Part, like, because I know you, you said in the video you made a silly bogey, but you didn't really say how you made a silly bogey on 15. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was just a, it was just kind of a not so great approach shot. Not a big deal. It, it yeah. happens, whatever. But my chip shot was very simple, very straightforward, and I just didn't end up getting it up and down. Yeah. Um. All right. I mean, it's you know that happens sometimes. Like I wasn't that flustered about it. Um. But that was kind of when I was first aware of wow, I'm having a really good day today. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like eight under par at this point. And then I, or maybe I might've been nine under, I don't know. But, yeah. and then I get to 16 and, and make a double. And all of a sudden I've lost the cushion that I had built the whole day. So, yeah. So, so you have that win. Uh, and at the time in the video, you know, we said like Max is leading the, the money list. You were like fifth yeah. at the time. Uh, yeah. And that's when it's like, you know, what you just said, okay, time to stop playing around and making videos. Like this is right. life we're live playing for now. Like, right. so yeah. obviously fairly, you know, you had a successful finish because you wouldn't be back in the States right now with a very tall card. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it was, uh, it, you know, I, I remember in a previous podcast, they were, one, they were asking me like, how did you deal with the pressure? Like, you know, obviously that's a lot of pressure to try to play golf play golf to come back to the U S that's a lot of pressure to deal with and for a whole season. Um, and I think I had a hard time trying to answer that cause I didn't really know what it was, but I think a huge part of it was, um, the first tournament that I went to over play China and I got third in, uh, I didn't really think much of it at the time, but later on it was just a really validating, uh, thing for me to know that I'm, this is well within my reach. Like this isn't something that I need to really reach for to try to find some success on this tour. Like I just play the the golf that I know I can play then it's good enough on this tour. And yeah. having More that speed bump than an actual, like, you know, just a little bit of, like, right. I've got to get through this to come back. That's all I've got to do. Yeah. 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 And so having that sense of, I guess, I guess some confidence knowing that this is well within my reach. This is something I can do. I just have to, kind of, I guess, get out of my own way and just let myself do what I know I can do. Yeah. Um, that was, I think, uh, 
a big way in how I kind of dealt with the whole pressure the whole time. And yeah. When, when I, when I spoke to Charlie, he mentioned the, uh, having rat dumplings one day, were you with him during that time? Or was uh, it- like, I wasn't there during, well, actually <laughs> the three events, um, that I went to go play at the end of the season, whatever I was with Charlie then. So I got to have a taste of what, what China's like, but, uh, God, I will tell you what, when I was in China, I was legitimately scared of eating legit. Like yeah. I didn't want to eat anymore because the first, I think the first two trips that I went over there for like six weeks, I had food, food poisoning every single week. Wow. And the, and the week that I was there for Q school, I had food poisoning the whole week. And I mean, this was going on for like the first, like third of the, of the season. And I'm like, I don't know what to do, man. This is so brutal. And then eventually I'm just like, I'm not taking any more risks. I'm just eating McDonald's only McDonald's yeah. only. Cause, and I thought subway was one of the safe ones. And we actually ended up having a huge debacle there with a bunch of guys getting sick. And it was such a crazy week that week. And it was from yeah. subway. So all right. Subway's off the list. I and mean, I, I literally just ate McDonald's. I call it the trifecta. I call it, um, McDonald's, KFC and pizza hut. That was it. That was the only stuff I ate there. Very safe. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, you, you obviously are successful. You, you know, you get your card to come back and then I assume that, yeah, I guess more sponsors start, start knocking on the door and calling now that you're back on the, on, you know, you, you're like on the corn ferry now. Um, I had a few more, but I, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure about this, but I feel like there's a bit of a, a sweet spot with how much money you want to raise mm-hmm. with sponsors and everything. I could be wrong on this, but I just felt like if I raised a lot of money, like let's say a hundred grand, then I would have to earn a hundred grand, you know, from tournament winnings back in order to get their money back. And, you know, I guess I didn't talk about the the, the payout structure to my sponsors, but basically you know, at the time I, I couldn't find any sponsors and I had to, f- like, I knew uh, I wasn't in the power seat. Like I, I, I needed them a lot more than they needed me. So I knew, all right, I'm going to put it heavily in their favor. I don't care. I just need some, some sponsors. So I put it so that it's, um, I earn 0% of my winnings and they earn a hundred percent of my winnings until they get all their money back. And then when I get their money back, we want to split it 50, 50 for their yeah. extra, extra stuff. And so just kind of knowing that, all right, I got to get their money back first. Um, I just felt like having more money might not be a better thing. I mean, I could be wrong, but I just kind of, my logic was, was, was thinking that way. Yeah. Um, so you're at the, now you're on the comfort, you're at the 50, 50 stage or you've renegotiated again. So I'm going to move it a little bit more towards my favorite and move it like 75 to 25. Yeah. Um, so, so it's a little bit, a little bit better. Um, I had already made their money back and doubled it also. So, you know, they're, 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 they're pretty happy as well. Yeah. So awesome. I think they wouldn't, they wouldn't mind me switching it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this year, obviously, you know, you after getting your tour card, you're ready to come and ready to like play golf. Uh, <laughs> Was there, so did you play Corn Ferry Tour events like before the lockdown, like end of last year? Uh, yeah, so I, I played three events and I think that was like the sixth or seventh event or something like that uh, before, you know, for the season before lockdown. Yeah. Um, the first the first two events, uh, Panama and Bogota, um, missed the cut. Um, didn't play all that great. Bogota was such a wake up call to me too. Cause it was such a draw heavy course. Um, and then I made the cut in Mexico, but that's pretty much all I did. I needed a little bit, something a little bit better in Mexico. Any, any crazy stories from staying down there, places you're staying with people, you're, uh, you know, just, just the life in general. I mean, it's not, sometimes it cannot be a safe place. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, Charlie told me about a story. Charlie told me about his story in Panama, but I wasn't there. Mm. Uh, I don't know if he told you about it, but um, Bogota, Bogota is a nice area. That was, a, that was just pretty standard. Mexico, where we were, that place looked pretty rough. Not, not where we were staying, but like yeah. driving to the place that we were staying. Wow, that place looked really rough. Uh, uh, 
but the area that we were in was nice. We, we, <laughs> there was like a little taco stand outside of our hotel. I, I forget what it's even called, but everyone was going there to get tacos every, after every round. I mean, I, I think, I think I ate like 46 tacos for the whole week. I remember Charlie telling me he had like 90 tacos for the week one, one, one year. That guy eats a lot. Um, I Balkan. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, nah, but I don't really have any crazy stories. Not yet. I didn't, I didn't go. Yeah. Not yet. I didn't go hiking in the, in the jungle in Panama, like, Char- like Charlie did. Uh, it's like, uh, what's that? Bear grills. Charlie loves to go hiking. Oh, he does. He loves that stuff. Uh, uh, so, I mean, season starting back up. First event is, I guess, this weekend, is it? Now? Today? Yeah. Yeah. Today's the first round. They're playing yeah. Sawgrass. I don't know which course. Um, man, I wish I was there, though. But yeah. Why? what it is. Any choice not to, not to go? Was you just not? No, no. So, so um, there's, like, I, I guess a bit of a... So if you have better status, better, better status, you, you'll have a better chance of getting into events. Sure. And because, uh, the PGA tour just started up as well. And so many of the top guys are playing this, this week that typically don't. Yeah. Um, a lot of those guys on the PGA tour get knocked down to play the corn fairy tour this week. And so that knocks me down as well. Yeah. So, Makes sense. so uh, I would imagine I'm probably going to miss like the first chunk of events. I don't know how many, and this is just me kind of speculating, but I'll probably miss the first chunk of events, but because the season's longer, I would imagine people are going to take more breaks. Not going to play the whole yeah. year and a half. And so should be able to get in some more here in a little bit. Have they rolled the season then into next season? Is that what they've yeah. done? Uh, yeah. That's great for you. So you don't have to worry about like making your tour card in half the season. Yeah. You? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I guess right now you're just waiting on what that first phone call is to get in the first event and, and you'll be yep. up. Just waiting on that. I, I might have a chance maybe in like early, mid-July uh, in San Antonio, maybe. Um, if not, there's kind of some, some you know, rumors yeah. down low about how uh, PJ through China, Latin, and Canada, they might have some events in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Just kind of because of the whole situation, yeah. So I, I, maybe I'll do some of those. Yeah. Um, any more? I know, I know you you were editing a video when we spoke on Instagram last time. Uh, is there a video yeah. coming soon? I know I was I was looking at. Uh, it's funny because we both would I mentioned the Eric Anders Lang videos, and he I guess posted one. I think maybe he posted one recently. It was either in his story or. It was like showing how he edits or showing how they edit the video. Did you see that one? Right. No, Vision I didn't see that. No, oh, I didn't see that. On, let me find goats. Yeah, it's on his latest post on his Instagram, and it shows. Oh, yeah. Okay. It shows basically him like the person editing it with all the shot tracker stuff. Uh, <sighs> Dude, I've been doing that. that for the past week. It is brutal doing that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's so I, I can't. I could not believe that the editing software that I'm sure he uses as well, but I could not believe there's no way to draw a line on this editing thing. Like yeah. you have to manually do every single like frame by frame, like draw it out and everything. It is such a tedious task and you got to do it like 50 times. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I guess, I guess if the golf thing doesn't work out, like that's the goal to be his, his, <laughs> his, his level of YouTube production. Right. Cause he's killing right. Yeah, he is killing it. I would imagine he's got like a team around him to oh, yeah. do that for him. But I think it says that in the post. He's like, I wouldn't be able to do this without like yeah. <laughs> guys to work for me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, awesome. Um, all right, finish with this. Uh, favorite golf trip you've ever been on? Mm, I'd, I'd have to say down in Queenstown, New Zealand for uh, the New Zealand Open. Mm-hmm. I mean, that place is majestic I, I don't have any other words for that place some of the the mountains that you see there is just unbelievable it doesn't look real yeah that place is crazy um but yeah that's probably my favorite uh i guess favorite golf course in oklahoma oklahoma it can't be jimmy <laughs> i was gonna say jimmy but I, <laughs> I, I, i've played it so many times it kind of um 
mm, Southern Hills was pretty good. Yeah. It was hard. It was hard when I played it. I didn't enjoy it, but it was yeah. a good place. Uh, and then golf trip that you want to take that's, uh, that you haven't had a chance to do yet. I don't necessarily know if it's a golf trip, but I just want to go to Europe somewhere. I haven't been anywhere in Europe. So mm-hmm. if I can go to Europe and maybe if it's for golf purposes, even greater, but even better, but yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah. Charlie said the same thing. You guys are going to go do that together. You'd have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, mate, I really appreciate your time. Um, I'll, for everyone listening and watching, I'll post the link to Luke's um, in a YouTube, Instagram, everything down below, and they can definitely go follow you and see some of your videos. And, and then uh, hopefully you can make a ton of money and have someone just follow you around with a camera and edit your videos. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> but, no, mate, thanks so much for coming on. And for everyone listening, we will catch you next episode. Cheers. Yep. Sounds good. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.